If you sit through the entirety of this workshop, I will reward you with the story of the vision of the barfing slug. Let's begin. <laughs> the, the title of this uh, workshop is called How to Afterglow. Now, when we use the term afterglow, we are describing what is essentially a prayer meeting, but it is more than just a prayer meeting. It is waiting upon the word of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 13, the elders of the church in Antioch, it says, were fasting, praying, and ministering to the Holy Spirit. They were waiting to hear what God had to say. And the Holy Spirit said to them, separate to me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. And so that is what we're talking about. Afterglow describes how Moses was in the presence of God and he got to see the, the glow after the Lord had passed by and then his face began to glow. It's also called a believer's meeting. It's been called an encounter service. Uh, but really, this is just a prayer meeting with a room for the reading of scripture, for worship, as well as for some other things. And what some of those other things are is going to be the subject for this workshop right here. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 in my opinion, gives us the best definition of what an afterglow is. Paul says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Paul is building here off of what he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which is that the Holy Spirit has given to each person in the church a spiritual gift. There is something the Holy Spirit does with each person that supernaturally builds up the church and that everybody is different, not everybody is the same. So as he starts to conclude, he says, when you come together, everybody has something to contribute. Now, some of these things, we know just what they are. They're not confusing. A hymn is just a song. A lesson is a teaching. And we even might know what tongues and interpretation are. But he throws in the middle this word revelation, that there is a revelation to be shared. And that can be a little more confusing. Let me first say right off the bat that when we talk about revelations from the Lord, we absolutely categorically do not mean we are adding to the scriptures. We do not believe that. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that God's word has been given and that's that. And even as Joel is talking about in his workshop, the prophets in the Old Testament did not all write scripture. That was a very small hand-picked group of men that wrote down the scriptures. The rest of them prophesied in their day. Even Elijah and Elisha wrote nothing down. And in the New Testament, not even all the apostles wrote down scripture. So I'm not talking about adding to the Bible but operating within what the Bible has already described. God's word for the moment to be shared that day. So we're going to look at this in three different sections. First of all, we're going to look at the kinds of things that can take place in an afterglow. Number two, we're going to look at how to recognize when God is wanting to speak through you. And then some practical tips on what to do and how to share them. So most of these come from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He just described in that verse I read what one of their meetings looked like. They'd come together, there'd be singing, there'd be teaching, but there also would be room given for other people to share what God had given to them. First thing we're going to look at is encouragement. And this is pretty obvious. We know what encouragement is. It means to put courage in somebody. Like the Lord told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. It's to make everybody smile, to give a word that makes everybody feel better and feel stronger. God loves you. God has forgiven you. Now, this is specifically the word of encouragement that is given in the meeting. Second is very close but different, which is a word of exhortation. Now, this is similar 
But this is the let's go kind of word. Exhort is related to a grammatical term called hortatory, which is any kind of language that says, let us do. So let's go language. This can be a challenge. This can be rallying the banners. Come on, fellas, let's go. It could even be a rebuke to stop doing something. An exhortation and an encouragement overlap quite a bit. Sometimes it's hard to split the hairs. But an exhortation is stronger and is intended to provoke action, whereas an encouragement is softer and is intended to promote what you might call good feelings. And I don't use that negatively at all. Uh, some people are much more encouragers. Some people are much more exhorters. And I am the latter category. I am much better at let's go than I am don't worry, everything's going to be okay. That's why we need all of us. The third is the word of wisdom. We know what wisdom is. Wisdom is practical application of knowledge, especially knowledge about God, the right way to live life. But the word of wisdom is somebody in the moment who has the right idea for the right time. They have the perfect solution for this situation. Consider when Jethro came to Moses and Moses was handling everybody's problems by himself. And he said, what you're doing is not good, Moses. What you ought to do is train up other people and let them handle the smaller cases and you just handle the big ones. Or in the book of Acts, chapter 6, when the Greek widows were being neglected in the distribution, the apostles got together and said, here's what we do. You pick seven good men to handle this. We'll work on the word and prayer. That, those are two examples of giving a word of wisdom for a situation. If somebody is perhaps praying for a, a provision, like, I don't know what we're going to do in this situation. I don't know how we're going to pay this bill. I don't know how we're going to get this house. And the Lord just gives somebody the right thing to say. This is what you ought to do. That's the word of wisdom. And you can usually tell when one of those comes because it kind of feels like, oh, well, that's that. I guess we can go home now. We know what we're doing. The fourth is discernment. Discerning of spirits, the Bible says. This is the ability to recognize what is from God and what is from not, or what is not from God. Now, we're all required to be discerning and to be able to have good discernment, especially leaders in the church. But some people are supernaturally gifted by God to tell when something is from God and when it's not. When something is from the Holy Spirit, when it's from an evil spirit, because Satan loves to come in and trick people. There are times where people look at a situation and they just know that something's wrong, that something is off about this situation or this person. Sometimes they'll come in and they say, we shouldn't do this. I've had people even say, I don't know about that guy. And I'll be like, come on. I know he's a little weird, but he's a good friend. I know. And I feel really bad saying it. I don't have any reason to say it other than I just, just watch out for that guy. That's a word of discernment. And sometimes it's the other way around. It's like, you know, I haven't known this person very long, but I just feel like this is right. Or even the ability to sort through if there's two different solutions given, which one is from the Lord? There are some people that will speak those things out. We are told to weigh everything that is said in the meeting. We don't just accept it all as from God automatically. And there are those that are specially gifted in this way. The fifth is the word of knowledge. Similar to wisdom, but this again is the word of knowledge. This is when somebody is given knowledge about a situation that they should not know about, but they know. They know something about somebody or about a situation or even just about the, the temperature of the room, so to speak. They just know what's going on. When Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well and she said, I'm not married. They said, you're right, you're not married. You've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. That was a word of knowledge. He couldn't have known that. 
That was the Holy Spirit revealing something about this woman to him. Elisha in the Old Testament got words of knowledge from God so much, it was surprising when God didn't tell him what was going on. When the widow was banging on his door, he told his servant, let her in, for God has not told me why she's here. You know, we usually comment when God does tell us. But he had that knowledge. And this could be someone, when you're talking to somebody and God just drops something on you and you're like, I know what's going on here. Or when, if you ever heard somebody say, I think there might be somebody in this room who is dealing with X and Y, right? Something like that. That's a word of knowledge. Six is the gift of tongues. Now, Paul distinguishes this from the revelation in verse 26 of chapter 14, but I think it falls under this category, meaning it is something that can be shared appropriately in a afterglow service. This is somebody who speaks out in an unknown language that they did not learn, speaking praise and honor and glory to God, the wonderful works of God. This is not channeling the Holy Spirit, <laughs> where the God grabs you by the scruff of your neck and makes you do stuff. A lot of people have that misconception. Paul would tell the Corinthians, you absolutely can control yourself and you better. When the gift of tongues is given, it is given. And this can be spoken out in the church. It is uh, not spoken to men. You're not, again, like, thus saith the Lord. It's nothing like that. You're praising God or speaking to God in an unknown tongue. And if that's going to happen, number seven, there must be an interpretation in a public meeting. Paul says in private, you speak in tongues all you want because it's between you and God. And even though your mind doesn't know what's going on, your spirit is edified and your spirit prays. But in the congregation, you must have an interpretation. This is when somebody knows what someone has said in a tongue and reveals it to the group. I think the best example we have of this, even though it is, it's not exactly the same, is in the book of Daniel, when the handwriting was on the wall and Daniel was able to understand, mene, mene, tekelu, farsin. He's like, okay, I know what this says and I know what it means. That it's similar to how when somebody speaks in tongues, somebody is able to interpret what they said. There's just a knowledge in their hearts that they know. And in fact, if there is an interpretation, Paul says that tongues are as edifying as prophecy can be. But if there is no interpretation, just keep it to yourself. The eighth possibility, dreams and visions. Now you talk about something that can be taken to a weird and wild place. Or something like, well, I had a dream. I was dancing in a sombrero at Disney World and I had a, a hot air balloon carried me away. What does that mean? Well, it might not mean anything except you had something weird to eat the night before. But there are some dreams and some visions that are from God. And in fact, Joel chapter 2 and Acts chapter 2 both emphasize that this specifically would take place in the last days. That you would see an increase of these things. Now we know what dreams are, but if this is a dream that comes from God, I've had one that I can say for sure is from the Lord, and that wasn't even for the congregation, that was just for me. But a vision, here's how I describe this, and God gives me a lot of visions. I think that's one of the things he does with me that's uh, one of my gifts here, but it's, it's like an unalterable picture in your mind's eye. If I were to say, okay, imagine a man standing here, now put a purple hat on his head, now have him wear a grass skirt and do a hula dance. You can imagine those things, and maybe you are right now. But when the Lord gives me a vision, it's like that same mental picture, but I can't tweak it. I can't mess with it. I don't know how else to explain it to you other than that. And very often it is persistent and it comes back. And what this is in the meeting is you share this. I have an image in my mind from the Lord. I think God gave me a vision. You know, I had a dream the other night and I wasn't sure about it, but I think it might be relevant to what we're talking about here tonight. Sharing those things. And the ninth is prophecy. 
And I think a lot of these things could fall under the category of prophecy. But this is God's direct word for the moment. It could involve foretelling the future. That's a big part of prophecy. But that's not all that it was. If you look in the Old Testament, the prophets were those that waited upon the king to give him God's word for right now. The Bible tells you how to be a good husband or wife, for example, but it doesn't tell you who to marry. That's where a prophetic word could come in. You're not adding to the scriptures. You're operating within what the scripture has already said. Prophecy, God's word for right now. These are those that when they speak, it is as if God is speaking to the room. And in fact, Peter tells us, those of you that are teachers and those of you who speak ought to speak as if you have the oracles of God. If God has talked to you, you let it rip. Don't hold it back because God is talking to his people. Prophecy. So, Those are the kinds of things that can take place in an afterglow. Those are things God might use you to do in an afterglow, as well as the reading of scripture or just plain old prayer, if there is such a thing as plain old prayer. Those are also appropriate, but those things are not considered to be revelations of God. So how do we recognize these things? Now, not everybody is going to encounter all of these things all the time. But how do we recognize when God might be using me to say something today to this group, as it seems the early church did quite often? Well, first, here's the the first thing. And, you know, I've been doing this for a while, and I've actually helped other churches learn how to do meetings like this. And whenever I share things like this in the meeting, people think I'm like reading their mind. How do you know that I'm doing? Because we've all experienced these things. If you've been in the church for a while, we know how this feels. And it's good to know that, okay, that might be God talking to me. The first is the strong thought that presses on your heart. A thought that you just can't shake. It's like, I walked in this room and I started thinking this and I, it just, it really would be a good thing to say. And, and it, it just feels right to you, but it won't leave you alone. And your, your heart's kind of thumping out of your chest. Like, should I say this? Should I not? It won't leave me alone. And I'm sweating. Why am I sweating? I'm in church. Everybody likes me here. What's the problem? That could be that the Holy Spirit wants you to say something. Maybe not, but maybe. And I think quite often that is exactly the case. Number two is similar but different. It's the invasive thought that jumps into your mind and takes you by surprise. For example, if you've got the the gift of discernment, you know, somebody shares something and immediately no comes into your mind. And it's it's like it grabs you. Or you're just sitting and listening and then all of a sudden, pow, this verse is right on your mind. You weren't thinking about it. You weren't getting there. It just got, it's like it got put there. It's not quite the same as the other one that kind of builds. This one just kind of hits you in the moment. Very often word of knowledge will do this. Somebody will be praying or a word of wisdom and you just like, I know what they should do. I know what needs to be done here. And these very often just feel like your own thoughts. So it's easy to ignore them. But y'all, when you're in God's church and you're praying and waiting upon the Holy Spirit and you're in that room, don't take any thought for granted. It may be Jesus. The third is the response to someone else's word. Sometimes somebody in the church will say something and your, your entire heart and soul leaps up and says amen to what they just said. Sometimes that's all I'll say in the church. I'll just say, I bear witness with that. I agree with that. Or that is something for us tonight. Or sometimes it can be the opposite and it's a strong disagreement. There was a person at one of our retreats in Lynchburg who gave a supposed prophetic word that America was about to go into a post-apocalyptic future and we all needed to start planting our own vegetables for when the electrical grid failed. And everyone just kind of felt 
icky on that one. It's like, this sounds more like something you got from the TV than from Jesus. And so my father, who's leading the meeting, goes, when do you expect this to happen? They go, this year for sure. My dad goes, all right. Well, I do not bear witness with that, but we will hear it, weigh it. But if it does not happen this year, we will know that that word was not from the Lord. Because everyone, you could, you could, I'm saying feel, I, I don't mean like emotion, like there's a spiritual sense that we're trying to develop here that you have. And everyone just kind of knew that that wasn't right. But you can have the opposite too, where somebody says something and everyone just, you can feel the sigh of relief. It's like, yeah, God said that just now. And the fourth, as I mentioned sort of already, is if you have a thought or an impression on the heart that you have an inability to change without a profound sense of wrongness. Now, if you're coming up with a speech to share in school, for example, you, you play with the words and you try to set it up just right and you, you know, tweak it to make it sound the way you want it. When you feel like you have a word from the Lord and you start doing that and it just starts to feel wrong, that's probably from Jesus. It's like, don't mess with what I'm trying to get you to say. Even the details of prophecies can be important. Paul makes whole doctrine out of whether a word is plural or singular in the Old Testament. And sometimes I've found that when I get ready to say something and I kind of, you know, I'm thinking, working up how I'm going to say it, God will go, nope, 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 you keep that in there. That has to stay. Or as I said, a vision that refuses to change. Or when, I'm, when I give an interpretation of tongues, very often I feel like, I, I can't go beyond this. If I go beyond this, I'm wrong. And that's because the Holy Spirit has given you something who lives inside you and is handing things up to you. You shouldn't mess with them. That's just a sense that you might not recognize what it feels like until it happens to you. But there it is. All of these things, of course, have to be done in accordance with the scriptures. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. He is not in opposition to the Bible. And he's not going to give you some special dispensation that you get to violate this piece of the Bible. Well, the Lord told me that it's okay uh, for me to, I don't know, commit this sexual immorality. God said it's okay for me to leave my wife and go with that man. God told me it was okay for me to cheat at the job. Uh, no, he didn't. Well, listen, I know the voice of the Lord. Uh, apparently not, because he's already given you a whole book full of his word, and none of the rest of the things that we know he said match up with what you think he might have said. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, Test all things and hold fast to what is good. A corollary to that might be, Chuck out the stuff that ain't no good. 1 John 4 verse 1, he said, Do not believe every spirit. Meaning if you're getting an impression of the spirit, don't believe every single one. But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And the main way you test it is, does this line up with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And over time, you will learn to recognize God's voice as he speaks to you. There are certain things that the way God speaks to me wouldn't make no sense to you if I explained them. They'd be like, you'd be like, ah, what do you mean by that? Even me trying to describe what it's like when God gives me a vision. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. Just when it feels like this, many times that has been the word for the moment. So I look for that and I wait for that and I respond to that when it comes. So those are the kinds of things that can be shared in an afterglow. These are some of the ways you know that God is speaking. So now let's get some practical tips on you feel you got something to say, but you're scared and you're intimidated and you're not sure what to say. All right, here's some very practical things to help you in the moment. Number one, don't feel the need to be long-winded or profound. Some folks, man, they, they pray in like King James English and they use these like $5 words and it's just lovely to listen to them, you know? But you're like, oh, I can't talk like that. And when he prophesies, man, it sounds like prophecy. And I don't, all I got is this, I don't know if I want to say that. Listen, 
sound like you. It's okay. Just give the piece. If all you've got is a little piece, just share that piece. You don't got to sound profound. You don't got to sound deep. You don't want to go on a long time. Just share what is on your heart, even if it's short, because sometimes that's even better because sometimes we can lose the message because we wrap it in so many words. So don't feel the need to be long-winded or profound. Even if you're in a group with people who are long-winded and sound profound, that's okay. There's no judgment. Number two, if you share something, consider also explaining what you think it means. This is something I very often do in our afterglows. If somebody says, you know, this verse is on my heart, and then they read it. My next question is usually, what was it about that verse that spoke to you? Why did you feel the need to share that one specifically? Or if they, they pray a certain way, and it's very clear that there's something burdening their heart. Sometimes I'll say, what, why, why that? What is it? Just explain what you think it means. Just say, you know, I want to read this verse. It's about God's love. And whenever I feel like I'm far from God, this verse always helps me. And I just feel like God wants me to read it tonight. That's plenty. You don't need to go above that and beyond that. Just say why you wanted to share that. Number three, don't feel like you've got to stand up, plant your flag like Columbus and say, Thus saith the Lord. It is okay to open up your statements with phrases like, I think, or it seems, or God might be saying, to take some of the pressure off yourself and off of everybody else. We're trying to weigh and sort through everything that is being said. So it's okay to say it boldly, but also to say it with humility. Even the early church in Acts chapter 15, they have the first church council, and they send out a document to the rest of the church, and they open it by saying, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Even though that was binding upon the church, they still said it with humility. And I think that takes a lot of the pressure off. Like, you know, I, th I, think, I think God is saying this. Or, you know, for some reason, I keep thinking about this. That's okay to say those things. When I interpret tongues, very often I'll say, I, I believe the interpretation is, even if I'm dead sure, I like to say that because I want to be humble and also remind everybody else that we are to test and sort through all things. Don't feel like you've got to barge forward. Say it with humility. It's okay. Number four, if you don't know exactly what to say, you don't have to say it nicely. Just be descriptive and leave the rest to weigh what has been said by you. Just say, this is what I'm thinking and I, I don't know, it, it's kind of like this and just don't be afraid to say it the way that you know how to make sense of it. Spiritual thing, that, as we said in the first session, our spiritual sense has atrophied because of sin. And when the Holy Spirit fills you up, he starts to build it up and strengthen it. But it's like a little kid learning to walk or learning how to talk. There's going to be stumbling. There's going to be uncertainty. And sometimes all you can do is just describe it. I, I, I have like an image in my mind and it looks like this. I don't know. I, I don't know what that is. It might be nothing. Just be descriptive. So, you know, I, I, I just feel the need to pray for people who maybe feel like, They've been abandoned and nobody loves them and nobody cares about them. Why? I don't know. I just, I just think I, we should. Just be descriptive. Number five, don't be afraid to piggyback off what someone else has said or share a scripture along with it. When somebody else speaks and you go, hey, I was going to say that. And by the way, it happens an awful lot in these afterglow services. Because if the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us, it's going to come out different because we are different, but the message will be the same. So don't be afraid to say, you know, I was going to read that verse. I love when people say, hey, I had that verse open right here. And then somebody just read it. It makes me go, okay, let's take a second look at this verse here and see what it is. Or I was going to say something just like that. Or, you know, this isn't exactly what you said, but it reminded me of what I was going to say. Uh, or to read a scripture that goes with it. Don't be afraid to do that. Don't feel like you've got to, you know, stand alone here. Just say, 
yeah, I, I, this is so similar. Because sometimes we think, I shouldn't share it because it sounds like somebody already said it. But when you can add on to these things, hey, God was talking to six of us all at once, that builds everybody else's faith. Don't be afraid to piggyback off of it. And number six, maybe real practical here, but speak up loud and don't be afraid. You got to speak up. My father loves to say, you'll never speak in tongues if you don't speak. <laughs> You've got to open your mouth and speak. And the same is true for encouragement or anything else. Don't be afraid, especially at this church, guys. People will be excited to hear you share it, I promise. They'll hear you say something, they'll go, praise the Lord. And if you're not speaking heresy, don't worry about it. Well, I don't know if it's the right thing for this moment. If it's God's truth, it's okay. Even if it's not the right time, it's never a bad thing to be reminded of something that God said, right? People will be excited. Don't be afraid. Speak it out loud and follow everything else I just said, and it won't be so scary for you. Because once you've seen your words correspond to someone else, and like, wow, what you said was exactly what I needed. There's nothing quite like that, you guys. Or when somebody speaks something that is exactly your situation. Guys, at the men's retreat a few months ago, I gave a word of knowledge at the end. And uh, I didn't even really want to. because It's kind of sorted. Like, I don't want to share this, man. We're having a good time here. But a guy came up and he goes, you described my entire life. And we led him to the Lord right there. So listen, once that starts to happen, you're just going to be excited. And you're going to more often be willing to put something out. Say, because this might be from Jesus. These are God's revelations to you. And the more you do it, you will learn the voice of the Lord. Your spiritual senses will go stronger and you'll be able to function better in those meetings. Well, I promised you a story if you made it to the end of this workshop. And it will not disappoint, I promise you. When I was in the staff meeting at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, it was just like four or five of us in a circle and we were going to pray and wait upon the Lord and have a meeting like this. And my pastor was encouraging us, hey guys, it's just us. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to put something out there. Like, okay. Well, I had a vision in my mind. It was, like I said, it was in my mind's eye. My eyes were open. Like I couldn't like see it, but it was just, it was like you're imagining something, but it's like someone is imagining it for you um, of a of a giant, like human-sized, big silver blue slug with antennas going around from person to person in the group and barfing all over them. Just bleh, I'm gonna go to the next person. Bleh, and it was gross and I'm like, bleh, I'm not sharing that with nobody, right? Like that's not of the Lord. Satan, get thee behind me. I'm not sharing that. But it just wouldn't go away. And my pastor was like, listen guys, it's just us. It's no big deal, it's no shame. And, so I was like, all right, fellas, I got something really weird to share here. But pastor said, like, you know, so, and I put it out there and everyone kind of like chuckled because it's weird, right? I said, and I don't know what it means, but there it is. Our assistant pastor, Pastor Gene, he said, you know, Tyler, I've been seeing the exact same thing since we sat down and I told God, no, I am not saying that. <laughs> and I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah. And like, we started like comparing notes, like, and it looks like this and it's, oh, yeah, right. And so we were seeing the exact same thing. And we're like, okay, so what is that? And what it ended up being is that there was a, a time of difficulty that was about to come upon our church. And there was a, there was a spiritual attack coming upon us as pastors. And the Lord uh, was able to draw some personal things out of us in that meeting that we then prayed for. But what am I trying to say with this? God speaks to his people. That's what separates God from the idols is he talks the Bible says they've got mouths, but they don't speak. I'm the speaking God. Yes, God has spoken, but he continues to speak. We're New Testament post-Pentecost believers, guys. We should expect his voice. Now, not every person has every gift, but you must be able to recognize what is yours and use it in the congregation.
2 Timothy 1 verse 6, For this reason, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. When you got saved, the Bible says, Jesus led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. When the Holy Spirit took up residence inside of you, he gave you a gift. He determined a way that he would manifest himself through you to build up the body. And what you need to do is stir it up, fan the flames, get the fire going bigger, put a couple logs on the fire. You will grow in it. You will get better at it. And you're going to find that these meetings are some of the most special you'll ever encounter. The church needs your contribution for us to be fully edified. So stir up your gifts and we'll all grow together. <clears throat>